Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, you've been better to me than I've been to myself. I just thank you, Lord. When I was faithless, you were faithful. When I ran from you, you ran to me. When I denied you, you were patient with me. When I questioned you, you stood firm. And Lord, you've just continued to show me your love to me over and over and over. And even though I don't deserve it, you just continue to declare it, that you love me. I thank you for that, God. If you'll give me the ability, the rest of my days, I will continue to declare that our God is a good God. For you are, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good to see you here this morning. I uh, want you to know that the most powerful thing this world has ever experienced is the word of God. Because that's how this world came to be. When God spoke into nothing, everything came to be. But then when he created man, he got down and with his hands formed man, breathed life into man. And so now the way God operates is it's still by his word, but it's coming through the mouths of his people. Amen. And so now the most powerful thing this world can experience is God's word coming through God's people who are united in God. Amen. It's, it's the most powerful thing. Now, God can do a mighty thing in your life, but if he connects you with people who also are of faith, who are also proclaiming the word of God, it's exponentially more mighty. We'll talk about that here today. We want to look at uh, a passage of scripture. It's in uh, Numbers chapter 13, 14, I'm sorry, Numbers 14. Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible. If you have a New Testament, you won't find it. So it's in the Old Testament, uh, Numbers 14. Let me give you kind of where we are with the nation of Israel at this point in history. God has rescued the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They have gone by Mount Sinai, received the law. You might remember the Ten Commandments. And then they've moved on to the promised land, the land that God said, I will give to you. The land that he told them over 400 years prior, I'm going to give you that land. And so now there they are. And they're standing at the edge of that land. And the people said, uh, you know what? Let us send in some people who, to, who will kind of check out the land, the land and, and all that's in it. And then they can come and give us a word. Of course, now when us as New Testament saints look at that, you're like, ah, we begin to see the unbelief already as they want to send somebody in to check it out. When God already told them it was theirs. But God allows it. And so one from every tribe goes into the land. And, uh, and so because there's 12 tribes, there's 12 spies who go in to check out the goodness of the land. Uh, and the 12 spies come back and they said, God's right. This is a good land. It's a land flowing with, with milk and honey. Now, that don't sound real attractive to me. That just sounds sticky to me. But what does that mean, flowing with milk and honey? It's fruitful. It's a fruitful land. It, they, they come out of a desert. 
And so when you just stepped out of a desert, going into a land filled with fruitfulness, it's very attractive. And so they said, oh, God's right. It's fruitful. In fact, they have a, an example of God's fruitfulness in that land. It took two of them on a pole carrying one cluster of grapes. That's how big that cluster of grapes was. Amen. I mean, that would last me all evening, just sitting there watching TV, popping grapes. That was, what, that was the fruitfulness of that land. But... Ten of those 12 spies said, but there's giants. There's giants and we can't take it. And, 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 and so here's what they said uh, in verse 33. They said, uh, that, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so as you see yourself determines how you compare yourself to others. Interesting thought. But as they were... As they were voicing their complaints, saying, no, we, we can't take this land. Caleb says, uh, by the way, let me just real quick, of the tribe of Judah, the, the spy, the representative of that tribe, his name was Caleb. And I like Caleb so much that I named my firstborn after him. So kind of lets you know how much I like this guy. And Caleb tries to hush all the negative talk down and say, hey, hey, quieten it down. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up. This is chapter 13, verse 30, by the way. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. It's not a problem for us. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we. And so what we have now is a church business meeting. <laughs> we have hymn books flying and they have complaints and arguments and, and uh, literally what happens is as Caleb and Joshua come and says, no, we've received a word from the Lord and the Lord has something for us. And then the 10 negative one says, but we can't. Then when they, when, when Caleb and, and Joshua make their case, they try to kill them. Sometimes speaking up for what God has already spoken to you can get you in some hot water, but don't worry about it. God would not let that happen. Amen. God wouldn't let it happen. In fact, it went the other way. So let's continue in chapter 14 uh, as this uh, is brought this back and forth. Verse six, but Joshua, the son of, of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel, catch that, do not rebel against the Lord. Anytime that you are acting out of fear, any fear-based decisions are failure and rebellion. And rebellion. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I love that. I love that. They're our bread. What is it? I eat them up. I just eat them up. I, I eat them up and... Well, I just eat them up. I think safe. I forget sometimes I'm preaching. <laughs> They're our bread. Their protection, catch this. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. I'm going to tell you something. Child of God, that's the promise of God on your life too. Greater is he who is within us than he who is in this world. 
Their their protection is gone, Caleb said, but our protection is with us. It is our God. And and so the the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. There's that word again. Uh, Don't fear them. Verse 10, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. So what happens? God doesn't showed up. God didn't show up. They said, we can't do it. Caleb and Joshua said, we can do it. We will do it. God's given us the victory already. We can't do it. Let's kill them. God says, "Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Not only will you not kill those two, you will all die. Let's continue to read. God gets angry at the the nation of Israel because of their unbelief. And, uh, and, And so he now says, you will not go into this land. All those who are 20 years old and older, those who are old enough to make a, a, a decision based on fear or faith, all of those who decided to trust God or doubt God, they, they would be, uh, they would die in the wilderness. There would be 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And God says, because of their unbelief, they'll not see the promises I have for them. But, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. Everybody say, different spirit. Amen. This world has a lot of spirits going on. But you're of a different spirit. You're of a different spirit. There's a lot of talk goes on. I, I have my antenna. That tells you kind of how we are. We operate. My antenna blew down. <laughs> and uh, so I hadn't got to watch any local news. Praise God. That helped my constitution so much better. Uh, but when you turn on what the world is saying, by the way, children of God, God expects you to have a different spirit. God says of Caleb, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. What is it? His different spirit in him, has, and he has followed me fully follow me fully i will bring him into the land where he went and the descendants shall inherit it amen i don't care about if everybody else says it's wrong and god says it's right me and god make a majority amen amen and if everybody else says it's right and god says it's wrong i'm going with god and so Caleb had a different spirit within him, and God said, because he has, he will experience the promises that I have made to him. Now I want you to look on down. You can read verses 26 through 28. What God says is you're, you're, you're going to die in this wilderness. And in verse 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. You should by no means enter the land which I swore I would would make you dwell in. But your little ones, catch this, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. Their fear was based on, what about our kids? What about our kids? I'm going to tell you all something. I've been there. I remember when God was making a big transition in my life, in our life, mine and Christie's, and, and I was walking away from a salary to nothing and just trusting the Lord that he would take care of us because he had called us to do something different, some world missions. And at that time, Christy was pregnant with Caleb. <laughs> the young man, if y'all don't know, he's the young man up here with the cap on. And so Christy was praying with Caleb and I'm like, Lord, I know that you have called me to do this. However, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. How am I going to take care of my family? You're moving us. We we moved into a a, a different uh, home and and, and to a different career calling. 
here's what God spoke to me. He said, you can trust me with your, your family. You can trust me with your family. I want to tell you that that resonated in my heart. I mean, I had to make a decision at that point forward. Am I going to believe what God said or am I going to believe my feelings? He spoke to me and said, you can trust me with your family. Now, I followed through. Amen. I made, I made a good choice that time, <laughs> that time. And I followed through. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, as life goes on, sometimes concerns creep back in. Last Wednesday night as I left here, Bible study, I went and hung out with some pastor friends of mine. I did it once a month. And, and they're from all over. And uh, this one particular pastor that I was talking to, he's from Brownwood. And, and he spoke a word that took me back 20 years. And this brother, as I was just sharing with him some of the transitions in our life, he just spoke to me and he said, you know what? You can trust God with your family. And it just brought me back 20 years prior. He's still trustworthy. He's still faithful. And he's still good. Amen. He is. And here they are saying, but what about our children? I, even my own pastor at the time when I was making this decision to, to step away from a full-time job and to a faith-based ministry, even my own pastor, he said, uh, do you know you have someone else to worry about now? It's not just you. I'm like, dude, you think I don't know that? I could live in a tent. But I'm, you know, I have to think about that as well. And, and I, he said, what do you think, what, what are you thinking by doing this? This is my pastor. I said, I know God's called me to it. Well, how do you plan on feeding your family? I said, by faith. And here's what he said, my pastor. There's a fine line between faith and fanaticism. I said, well, call me a fanatic. Because <laughs> I know what God said. By the way, my sons are still alive. <laughs> They didn't starve to death. We still have a place to sleep at night. And, uh, it broke last week, but the air works again. Amen. <laughs> He's still good. So God says, uh, you were making a decision based on fear and you were concerned about your little ones. You will die in this wilderness, but your little ones will experience the promise. Amen. They will experience the promise. And so, verse 31, but your little ones whom you said will be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Uh, now, I'm not going to read every verse, but let's drop down to verse 36. Now, the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died. Right there. Boop, fell over dead. If you lead someone else to quit trusting in God, if you lead someone else away from the Lord, that gets you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. There was some, uh, his disciples uh, were trying to, to keep uh, little children from coming to Jesus. And, and Jesus would say, let the kids come to me. And then he spoke another word. If you offend one of these little ones, if you hinder them from coming to the Lord, if you are a stumbling block before them, rather than helping them come to me, it would be better that you weren't even born. I want to tell you something. You don't see that kind of talk out of Jesus a whole lot towards his disciples, but he said, mess with them cheering. I jack you up. He said, it'd be better if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the depths of the sea. 
Why? Because that's just this life. But there's a life to come, eternal life. And so he says, uh, when we cause someone else to deny God, walk away from God, trust in their flesh rather than trust in what he said, we're, we're treading dangerous ground. We're walking in dangerous territory. Those guys died. Verse 37, those very men who brought the evil report, they died. Verse 38, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Now, fast forward 40 years. These guys, Joshua and Caleb, were 40 years, when this event, 40 years old when this event happened. They were 40 years old. Now they're going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. During that 40 years of wandering, everyone 20 and older died. So what you get when you get into the promised land, which happens 40 years after this fact, is you get a large age difference between Joshua and Caleb and all the rest of society. All the rest of society. But what you have is two of faith and a whole generation who they would see the promises of God. I, I just instantly, I just thought of the, the, the old widow woman who saw Jesus and the old man who saw Jesus when he was a baby brought into the temple. And they said, now I can die because I've seen the Lord's Messiah. Joshua and Caleb, you had faith. You will see the promises of God. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, just fast forwarding the story, they have now wandered around the wilderness. Even Moses himself has died. They have now come back to the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. It's still good and it's still got giants. And yet now, by the way, just think about this. If I were Caleb and if I were Joshua, I would have a hard time not having some bitterness in me. <laughs> Been walking around this stupid desert for 40 years. Die. Just go ahead and die. I'm ready to see the last one die so we can go into the promised land. I'm glad you died. <laughs> can you imagine? I'm tired of walking. I've been, I've been on bivouac for 40 years. In the desert, I got sand in every crevice of my body. I'm sick of walking. I'm sick of you people. I'm just ready to see what God has promised me. Can you imagine the bitterness wanting to rise up in you? But when we get to chapter 14, what we're seeing is this is five years after they crossed over Jericho. They have gone in and they have uh, liberated the land. They have gone in and they have become victorious and received the promises that God had for them. And now they are, are separating the land by tribe of Israel. And here we get to chapter 14 and it's time for the tribe of Judah. But there's an individual in this tribe of Judah that said, by the way, he says, uh, enough about my tribe. I'm going to claim something for me. Chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. By the way, Joshua took Moses' place. He is the leader. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remember the two old guys, Joshua and Caleb, they've been, they, they got to be buddies. I mean, have been for years. Caleb comes before Joshua the, and, and he says, You know the word of the Lord, which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I'm sorry, I, I have to say it. In my mind, Lonesome Dove just comes right. I mean, it's just Gus and Woodrow. Some of y'all have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> but there's these two old timers. You remember the day? You remember that day? You remember what God told us? You remember what he told me? Caleb says, Josh, do you remember God told me that I'm going to take that piece of property? It's 40 years ago. A lot happens in 40 years. Joshua said, I remember it. It's yours. 
Verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I, here it is again, wholly followed the Lord my God. Amen. This is the key to the Christian life. It's not complicated. It's not complex. You don't have to know every, you don't have to have any kind of initials before or after your name. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to, to, to do all of these things to live successfully the Christian life. You got to do one thing. Holy follow the Lord your God. Completely surrender your life to the Lord your God. He'll, if you're walking with him, as it said, follow the Lord. If you're following him, he'll show you what's the next step. He'll take you what the next direction. He will do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Amen. Joshua said, you remember when God said that I had a different spirit within me? Caleb, when, when I had a different spirit within me, you remember when he said that he was going to give me what I believed for? And you remember why he said it? Because I wholly followed the Lord my God. Forty years later, I didn't let the bitterness of that failure keep me from believing my God today. Forty years later, after wandering around in that wilderness, he still wholly follows the Lord, his God. Amen. Woo-wee. Now, I remember when I turned 40. And uh, that was, I guess, a big birthday. I got another birthday right around the corner. I'm getting older. The 40 kind of was a big one, and uh, here's why. Going over, just kind of thinking back on life, I remembered that, uh, you know, early 20s, I started following the Lord in ministry, and 40s, I guess it's kind of mid-age, you know. And so I remember talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I guess I've spent about half of my ministry already, and I guess I've lived about half of my life. But God, I haven't done a fraction of what I want to do for you. I haven't, I haven't seen a fraction of the hand of God on, on this city, on my life, on my family. I've not seen nearly even half of what I want to see. And I said, Lord, I'm going to, for the next 40 years, for the next 40 years, I'm going to live for you wholehearted. I'm going to wholly follow the Lord. Amen. I pray that that's where you are today. Maybe I've messed up my past, but I ain't going to mess up my future. Maybe I have regrets over things. Now, get this. I've I've made some decisions in my past. We just sang that song. I've made decisions in my past that I do regret. But I don't regret things that I have done nearly as much as I regret things I have not done. Are you with me? I don't regret those decisions that I made, bad choices I made, because God used those things to make me what I am today. But those things that I didn't do, those things in which I, maybe I had a fear-based decision and I said, uh, but what if they don't accept me anymore? Uh, what if uh, our, our church membership goes down? What if, what if, what if, fear-based decision? And I regret those things that I believe God was calling me to do, but I didn't do it. And at this point, I said, Lord, if you call me, I'm going. If you say it, I'm in it. And so here we are. We, Joshua is, is listening to Caleb. And Caleb's saying, um, you remember what God said, verse, verse 11, check this out. As yet I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. He's 85 years old. 
I'm as strong this day as the day that I was 40. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. When you see that phrase, going out and coming in, this is speaking of war. Blessed be you when you're going out and you're coming in. Blessed be when you go out and take new territory and you come out victorious. And, and Caleb says, in my going out and coming in, I will be blessed. And I'm just as strong now as I was then. I love it. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. I love it. Caleb says, God said it's mine. I'm taking it today. He's 85 years old. He said, I'm still a bad mamma jamma. I still mess them up. I can still go win this victory. By the way, we know through the rest of the scriptures that there are three giants sitting on top of that mountain. There are three giants. Now, now you need to remember, from a strategic plan, they are at a great disadvantage. They're fighting uphill. From, from, from a human perspective, how many of y'all ever played football, basketball, any of these sports where size matters, and you walk out on the gym, and here comes the other team. And then you get a little scared. You say, oh, we're dead. I remember those words. We're dead. <laughs> And there are these giants, and there's giant families, and they, have, they already have established fortification, and you're trying to fight uphill. They're fighting downhill. Caleb says, it really has nothing to do with all of that. Because, again, they have no defense, and they don't have our God. Amen. They are my bread. I eat them up. Spit them out. I, get, I clean it up. Spit them out. All right. They, they are my bread. Caleb says, I'm 85, but that's just a number. I might have grown older, but my God did not. Amen. I might have grown older, but my Lord didn't. And so I want my mountain. Verse 12, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day that Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. He said, these are the people that the rest of the whole nation of Israel were afraid of. But I myself am not afraid. These are the people that cause fear to rise up in the heart of my people. But me and my family will take them. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. And gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as a heritage. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord. Amen? He completely committed his life to the Lord. It's a, it's a good word. It's the word that the Lord gave me the other day when he laid this sermon on my heart. Total abandonment. Completely given to the Lord. I'm all in God. I'm all in God. That is the key to Christian victory. It is not good strategy. It is not, it is, I'm following you wherever you go. And I'm going to voice what you said. What you spoke to my heart, I'll speak in my mouth. And that, that is mine because you said so. Amen. Now follow me here. 40 years prior, 45 actually now. 45 years prior, when Caleb was 40 years old, he did not get to go into the promises that God intended for him to get because of those who surrounded him. He didn't get to go in because of who he was with. He didn't get to go in because of who he was with. Now, when he is now 85, 
He will go in, but he, catch this, he would not be able to receive these promises if it wasn't for those who he is with. Just, just soak that in for a second. Caleb's faith is strong. It's obvious. Caleb believes God. It's obvious. God is doing something in this individual's life, in this family. It's obvious. But had he not been amongst the people of God who had enough faith to trust God and walk into those promises, they'd never even got to that mountain. The greatest graces that God has given you is sitting all around you. And so, yeah, your personal faith may be strong. And you may trust God for whatever. But it could be that the people you surround you are keeping you from experiencing the things God has for you. But it also could be that the people who are around you will help you experience the great things that God has for you. I'm telling you, that, that's worth that's worth the price of admission today, by the way. Amen. <laughs> Who you surround yourself with. Are you connected to a people who trust God and are, really, are also wholly following the Lord, fully committed, completely trusting God, and ready to move forward in victory? Who are you surrounding yourself with? There was a statement made, I think I heard it on the radio. I don't even know where I heard it. I don't even think it was a, it wasn't even a Christian statement. It said this, if you hang around five drug addicts, you will become number six. If you hang out with five millionaires, you will become number six. I believe that's true. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, addiction and, 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 and wealth, but I still think that's true. But I still say, I, I always tell students, students, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You hang around. It, it, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you run around with the turkeys. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was the people that they were around that kept them from experiencing the promises before. But now they were around a people of God who trusted God. And not only trusted God, because here's what faith is. Faith is action. They moved into the promises of God. Amen? Y'all with me? I want to be like Caleb. Give me my mountain. God said, that's mine. I want my mountain. There are seven mountains in society, mountains of influence. Just know this, you do not have to be in full-time ministry to be in full-time minister. You don't have to serve in a church and have some kind of a title. You don't have to to be in full-time ministry. If you're in education, you're in full-time ministry. If you're in government, you're in full-time ministry. If you're in business, you're in full-time ministry. Your family is a mountain. All of these things are mountains of influence. And I pray that you have enough faith in God to say, I want my mountain. Oh, there may be mountain, there may be giants on that mountain, but my God will defeat those giants. I want my mountain. God's already said it's mine. God said that where I walk is my possession. What I am trusting God for is that he will defeat my giants, that he will give me this new territory. I want my mountain. And if you can't first take the mountain of your family, then can you really take the mountain of the giants?
It first starts there. You know why Caleb was able to get this? How many giants do y'all remember? How many giant stories do y'all remember in the Bible? Most people remember one. David and Goliath. Do you know how many giants Caleb defeated? Three. Caleb defeats three. But I'm going to tell you, and he's 85 years old. But I'm going to also tell you this. I don't think he personally, it could have been. We don't know that he personally stuck the spear or the sword or that he personally took out those three giants. What we do know is his family did. His family did. Praise God for a man who even in the midst of adversity, wandering around in the wilderness, trying to fight bitterness out of his heart and said, but one of these days, one of these days, son, one of these days we're going to see it. I got to lay my eyes on it. One of these days we're going to experience it. Son, I'm raising you up with the standard of God on your life because you will be the one that claims the victory. I got God's word on it. Raising up his son with faith to say, one of these days we're walking in there and we, we, I already seen the mountain. I've already seen the mountain. It's going to be your inheritance. It's going to be yours. Let me tell you all something. I'm going to wrap this thing up. I grew up here. I grew up in Athens, Texas. I grew up in this church. I was a little knucklehead kid that just, I was just waiting for church to get over because I'm off to the next rodeo. I'm, I'm gone. My little S10 pickup, dust flying behind me. I'm heading to the rodeo. I just went to church because that's what I was supposed to do because they wouldn't let me rodeo if I didn't go to church. I grew up in this town. Then I started doing ministry in this, in this county. And it has been said over and over and over throughout the years that there is a dark oppression over this, this area. I won't tell you, and, and I said this in the first service, but I said, you know, since this one is not live streamed, I'll speak freely. Well, this service is live streamed, and I'm still going to speak freely. This area has had a darkness, an oppression, in which ministry has been very difficult in this city and this county. And I've known people who have passed through this area, and they're like, what is going on in this area? Who have spiritual sensitivity. They said, there's something bad here. Well, I'm going to tell y'all something. That bad is breaking. It's falling. Amen? And here's another word. It's been being spoken around our nation, around our nation, that the next great awakening in our country will start in North Texas. In North Texas. This has been, those who have a prophetic gift have been saying, North Texas is the place where it's going to spark, this, this revival fire is going to start in North Texas. Well, here's what's been happening lately. People, more and more people and more and more things are happening. People are moving to Athens and Henderson County. And catch this. Now this, please don't hear this as anything except humble statements. There are people as I said, this is the part that I was a little hesitant to speak on live stream. There are people who don't go to this church who believes revival fires, and this is what they've been saying, revival fires will start at Sand Springs Church. I pray God is true. I pray God is true. Is that too much for you? Say, ah, <laughs> It's Athens. That's Sand Springs. That little old bitty church. Well, this little bitty church has grown. Yeah. Not only have we grown in number, we've grown in vision. Yeah. And what I could not see 
18 years ago when I became the pastor here, I, I was just, I was just thinking that the, the great accomplishment would be, the great accomplishment would be moving from that brick building over here to this building. My vision was so small. But what I could not see back then, God has given me vision to see now. That this country can be changed starting right here with you. With you. And in your family. And your household. And you taking your mountain. And you leading your, your next generation. And your next generation after that. Leading them to follow wholeheartedly after the Lord. Amen. 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 I, I hope that you're not sitting back skeptical and saying, I, I really don't think that can happen. Here's what you're saying. I don't think God can do that. I receive it too. And I believe that he will. And I think that he's going to. And I, here's how I know it. Because we're already seeing it. We're already seeing giants fall. We're already seeing new territory being taken. And when we just think that the ministry happens within the four walls of this church, we will not walk in to those promises. But when we recognize it's in your household, it's at your place of business, it's at your school, it's in government offices, when we recognize those are the mountains that I need to take, God, I'm going to follow through in your promises. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I, I, maybe I'm a little older now, but my God hadn't got any older. Maybe I'm a little weaker now. Actually not, I'm stronger. <laughs> My God only gets more and more victory as we move forward in more and more faith. The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. I didn't sleep last night. And I woke up this morning, I come dragging in. I'm like, will somebody get my backside? It's dragging way back there. I'm dragging it in. I didn't sleep last night. I come in, like, I need another cup of coffee, please. Another cup of coffee. I may have a little less energy now. I may be a little more tired, but my God never slumbers nor sleeps. He don't get tired and he don't give up and neither shall we. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We will continue to declare your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we are overcomers. Let the world say what they might. Let the enemy say what he may. But we're going to go by what you say, God. And we're going to fully follow our good God. Because your scripture says that when we follow that good shepherd, your mercy and your truth follows us. Your goodness and mercy follows us. Thank you for this promise, Lord. Thank you for the promise that greater is he who is within me than he who is within this world. Thank you for the promise, God, that when we move forward in faith, you go before us, you surround us, you fight for us. Thank you for that promise, God. And Lord, we believe and receive this good word spoken over us. Maybe it shall be that the Lord will smile upon us and use us to bring a great victory. But even if he don't, catch this, one step in the right direction is victory. It is victory. But I happen to believe when I take that step, the ground's gonna split open. 
mountains are going to fall. Victories are going to be won. I believe it. Thank you, Lord, for this good word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen to me. I want you to stand up with me. Stand with me. Next Sunday, we're going to do this horse sense, this horse demonstration. I'm going to tell you when it gets the most, uh, I don't think dangerous is the word. It could be the exact word. When I get this horse saddled and I climb up in the saddle, that's not the most dangerous spot. The most dangerous spot, because I'm going to sit there in the saddle, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to get my brakes. Y'all check that next week. I'll describe all that to you. So I'm going to work on that left rein. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull, I'm going to get him to submit. I'm going to pull and he's going to fight me. You're going to see his muscles in his neck and his face tense up and then he'll surrender. It's called being stiff-necked. And I'll pull that left rein and he's going to fight me, but not quite as long this time and he'll surrender. And I'll pull that left rein one more time and all of a sudden he just, he gets real soft and he's going to, he's going to surrender. He's going to submit. But then I leave the right one alone because I have a whole nother purpose for the right rein. When I now pick up the right rein, you're going to see this next week. When I pick up the right rein, I'm going to pull and push at the same time. I'm going to push it with my left foot, pull it with my right hand, and this is when it can go all real bad. Because it's that first step. It's the first step. But here's where it all gets real good. When that horse takes that first step, now the first step could go straight up. <laughs> And I've been thrown so many times. But catch this principle. This is where I'm going with all this. You cannot steer something that is not moving. Your car sitting there in the parking lot, because it's not going anywhere, it's not being steered, right? I can't, I can't direct this horse at all if it's just standing there. You'll see it. I'll pull on that left rein and he's still standing there. He's just doing this number. But when I pull on that right rein and push with my left and I get him moving, even if I had to pop. Now that we're moving, now I can direct him. If you're going to just keep standing where you are and asking God to direct your life, but you don't move, he cannot steer you if you aren't moving. And so I pray to God that today, whatever that step is for you, whatever that first step is, that you will be obedient to the Lord and that you will move. It may be as simple as moving down this altar and making a private confession to our good God. Lord, I am wholly following after you. But whatever it is, take that step. We're going to worship the Lord. And as we worship the Lord, prayer team, you come on up to the altar. As we worship the Lord, you take that step. Oh, it feels like it's dangerous. It feels like this thing could just come unwound right now. But what it is, it's not dangerous. It's glorious. It's glorious because God says, I got you now. I'm going to direct you now. Now that you're moving, now that you're moving forward, I'm going to direct your paths. Follow me. Lord, draw our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.